Hello, neighbor. You are listening to the New Garden Church podcast, and we are so glad you're here. Our church meets at 10 a.m. at DuPont Tyler Middle School in Hermitage, Tennessee. You can join us in person, or you can catch our gatherings after the fact on our YouTube channel. We would love to hear from you. We hope that you enjoy what you hear today and check back in with us again soon. Good morning. If we have not had the opportunity to meet, my name is Jeff. My wife is Ashley. I was hoping you might get to meet the family today, but they are all moving in different places, volunteering in our second service at Woodmont. I think we have two soccer games and a baseball game today, so you, you, you know the routine. Uh, but it is so good to be with you. Uh, my wife is Ashley. We have four kids at home that range from 15 to 6, uh, three girls and a boy. We were foster parents for several years. We have two who are 22 who live in Antioch. And you may have met my family, at least most of my family, I think, was here a couple times this summer uh, during a couple of your food distribution days. And it was such a gift. Uh, to spend those days with you. I look forward to getting to know you the way I've gotten to know some of your leaders over the last six months. Uh, as we've been in conversations, think, what, what would partnership look like? I, I think from the very first call that I took from Andy, as Andy reached out and told me a little bit about your church and what you're doing and the place that you're in, I said, Andy, if you're looking for uh, a church and a partner who has it all figured out, that's not us. Uh, if you're looking for a church that has a pristine strategic plan to have satellite campuses across the city, that's not us. Um, but very deep in our DNA is a commitment to pay attention to what God might be up to. Uh, it was a huge part of the draw. I've had the privilege for the last five years of serving at the Woodmont Hills Church, and that was part of the draw. Uh, we had been serving a church in Jackson, Tennessee for 12 years um, and felt a call to be a part of what God might be up to in this city. Uh, and as I consider uh, the way that you want to share food with neighbors and offer hope in your neighborhood provide tangible things to teachers and classrooms. That's what I see. That's why I'm excited to continue to explore partnership uh, because I am incredibly interested in what God might be up to here in this partnership. So it is a delight to be here, uh, to see the kids worshiping this morning. Uh, there's nothing better than seeing a kid just belt out, I trust in Jesus, is there? Uh, it's so good to be here with you. This fall, we're going to be reading the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be reading it uh, here in this room and at the Woodmont campus. We're all going to be reading the Gospel of Luke. Michael may get you a reading schedule a little bit later, but I want to encourage you to read along because Luke has this fantastic way of reminding us that, that the Gospel is good news for all people. That Jesus is going to prioritize a group of people who, who don't normally get prioritized. But, but Luke has this way of telling the story of pairs. Sometimes it's young and old. Often it's male and female uh, who together we have these encounters with Jesus. And so we're going to be reading these stories together. And if you're looking for an opportunity this fall to bring somebody along, 
uh, to share good news, to offer some of that hope that fills you. I want to encourage you to think about this this fall. We're going to be reading the Gospel of Luke. So that friend, that coworker, that neighbor uh, that you've been thinking about, bring him along. And together let's read this Gospel and be reminded. Because it has much to say about who Jesus is and about what life looks like uh, when we follow him. The scripture reading today actually isn't one of those encounters, encounters other people had with Jesus. It is an encounter that Jesus himself had in the wilderness. And I want to invite you to stand for scripture reading. Our scripture reading is going to come from Luke chapter 3 and 4. Now when all people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tested by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days. And when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. The word of the Lord. Be seated. Jesus finds himself between two buys. Uh, He is led by the Holy Spirit uh, to a place where he will be tempted by the devil. And out of the gate, some of our ideas about what it means to be led by the Spirit go out of the window. If what we have in our head is led by the Spirit means I never go into a time of struggle or suffering, then we haven't read this gospel. But Jesus finds himself in between these two buys. He is led by the Spirit and he is tempted by Satan in between these two spirits. And Jesus will join a long line of God's people who are called to question and tempted to doubt what God confirmed. Did you notice what Jesus heard? In fact, what others heard when the heavens were opened and he was baptized. Luke says everybody was getting baptized. Jesus got baptized too. And the heavens were torn open. And the voice they heard was this. This was the message. You are my son in whom I am well pleased. This is God's son, and this is the declaration as the heavens are torn open. Um, and I didn't read in between, but if you have a, somebody have a Bible open there in Luke 3, if somebody will read the last three words of Luke chapter 3, just read them right there in your seat. Um, if I didn't like you, I had to tell you to read those 30 verses. It's the genealogy of Jesus. Might get bogged down in some of the details, but somebody there in your seat, read those last three words of Luke chapter 3.
they're going to come in a string of sentences as this genealogy where you hear son of, son of, son of Abraham, son of Isaac, son of Jacob. But the last three words of Luke chapter 3 are what? When somebody gets it, raise your hand and just read them where you are. Okay. Son of God. Son of God. So at the baptism of Jesus, the heavens are torn open and we hear a voice from heaven saying, this is God's son. This is God's son. And the last words Luke leaves us in the genealogy are, this is Jesus, son of God. Now notice the first words from the tempter's mouth. Luke chapter 4, verse 3. If, if you are the son of God. You say, wait a minute, time out. We just heard a voice from heaven declare, this is God's son. Luke just told us the story. He introduces Jesus in his pedigree. He tells us this is God's son. And yet the first words from the tempter's mouth are if, if you are the son of God. And we have a ploy to instill doubt on what Jesus just heard. But isn't that the same thing that happened in the garden? I mean, as far back as the garden. Male and female, he created us. In the image of God, he created us. We were created with a likeness of God within us and about us. But what were the first words from the snake's mouth? If. If you really want to be like God, then you need to take this fruit. And if you take this fruit and if you eat from this tree, then God knows that you will be like him. Now wait just a minute. We were fashioned with a likeness of God within us and about us. And there in the first temptation, what we often call the fall, And we think of it only in terms of Adam and Eve and the fruit that they consumed. But there really was a lie, a lethal lie that they also consumed. Can God's words really be trusted? The snake muses. From the very beginning in the garden, we hear the declaration of God. You and I were created in the image of God. In the likeness of God, we were created. And then the snake muses, can God's words be trusted? Isn't that what Satan still whispers? God calls us to trust. Satan muses, can God be trusted? God tells us that we were created with sacred worth. That you and I, that we are his. And Satan says, if... If then, if you really want to be someone, then you really need to do something. This if-then temptation is as old as the garden, but it is as common as each one of us. If then, it plays individually, it plays communally. We're seduced into believing if. You know what, if if I could just get my stuff in order, if I could get my finances in a better place, if I could get a few things around the house and in life taken care of, then, then I would arrive. Then I would be someone. We think if, if, if I could 
look better, if I could make more, if I could achieve something, then I would really be someone. I mean, it's every commercial you see on TV, isn't it? Every single one. Good, good, good marketing doesn't just show you uh, a bag of chips or a beer. It tells a story. It sells a story. It says, if you had, then you would. If you had, and it plays into those ideas that are buried deep inside us about security and significance and self-worth. We hear that temptation, if then, if I had more, if I could take, make, or have something in my own hands that I don't have right now, then I would be someone. But it also plays communally. It, it plays even in the context of a church. We think if then, if we could get a few things in order, if we could fill the room again, if we could have more Bible studies, if we could get more of our friends here, if we could serve more in the community, all good things, great things. We think if, then, then we would have something that is deeply meaningful. We hear the temptation, the same temptation that Jesus would face. If, then, can God's words really be trusted? Do we really need to do something to be someone? I believe Jesus' temptation here in Luke chapter 4 is a lot like Adam and Eve's. It also sounds a lot like Israel in the wilderness. God would save his people. God makes promises and grants provision for his people, but then Israel would wander around in the wilderness and wonder if, if God's words could be trusted. It's as old as the garden. It's the same temptation that Israel faced in the wilderness, and it is ongoing. I believe, even as I am just getting to know some of you, it is a temptation that we are especially vulnerable to. Uh, this past week, I got to spend three days with a group of pastors spread out uh, around the country. And as we all came together and told stories and checked in on each other, uh, there wasn't a single one who raised their hand and said, you know what, things are just really easy right now in church. Like, you know, just so many people are coming in and things are easy and they're just going so well and we're on easy street. That's a real struggle as we try to navigate what the world looks like and what church looks like in a post-COVID environment. And especially in seasons of struggle, we're we're vulnerable to this if-then temptation. If we're really going to be someone, then we need to take things into our own hands, and then, and only then, might we be someone. I believe it plays individually, and it weighs heavily on a lot of us. Uh, we we, we want to we not just be people of prominence, we want to live lives of significance. And we think, how do we do that? Well, if, if I'm going to really be someone, then I really need to do something or have something or take something. It, it plays in our churches. If there's a path forward, we think, well, it's on us to take it and make it. And still we wonder, can God be trusted? Or do we indeed need to take things into our own hands? 
And today, this morning, I want to call you back to the beauty of what God declares over us. What God says about us as his children. Because just as surely as the heavens were torn open at Jesus' baptism and we hear a voice from heaven, I believe that God still speaks today. In fact, here in this gospel that we'll be reading this fall, in the gospel of Luke, there are promises that we've been clinging to. Uh, at Woodmont, we, we started the year in Luke chapter 11. Uh, and in Luke 11, Jesus makes this promise. He says, um, if you, who are not particularly good people, evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You're in a world that feels uncertain, where we need wisdom. One of the promises we're claiming to is Jesus said, those who ask for wisdom will receive it. Those who ask for the Holy Spirit will receive it. It's one of the things that God declares over us. The heavens were opened at the baptism of Jesus, and I believe it was at yours as well. And I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of that. I need to be reminded that, that our worth doesn't come from our productivity or our ingenuity or even our resilience. It comes from the fact that we are His. We're His. And he is here. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am here. And our confidence is in his faithfulness. Well, our confidence, as we think about the future, New Garden Church and Woodmont Hills Church and this neighborhood, any confidence we have, it doesn't come from our resume. It comes from the fact that we are his and he is here. Uh, anybody watch the, the TV series Parenthood? Yes? No? No Parenthood fans. Okay. Well, I, I highly recommend the series. Uh, it's old. We didn't watch it when it was live, but when our kids were a little bit littler, um, we got hooked on to Parenthood. And it's all based around this one family, the Braverman family. And there's a particular scene in a season where there's a grandfather and a granddaughter, Zeke and Amber. And this granddaughter, who is a senior in high school, has really been struggling. I mean, she's got bad news dumped on bad news, dumped on more bad news. She was excited about getting into a particular college, and she didn't get in. It's more bad news and more bad news. And she just unravels at the scene. Uh, she starts drinking a lot. She starts using... Um, she literally runs out of her mom's arms to get in a car with a guy who just gets trashed, and they get in this horrific wreck, which she survives, uh, but she could have and probably should have died. Uh, and it's not sinking into her. Even after she gets out of the hospital, it's not sinking in at all. But I remember this particular scene in the season where there is the grandfather, Zeke, and the granddaughter, Amber, and he takes her to the car. He said, I want you to look at the car. I want you to look at where you were. And then he looks at her and she looks at him. And I think it's one of the first times that she really got a glimpse of the way that he saw her. It's this infamous scene, you can Google it, uh, where he says, uh, you do not have permission to mess with my dreams. 
I dreamed you, I've loved you since before you were born, and you don't have permission to mess with my dreams. But then he looks at her and he says, you're a braverman. You have my blood running through your veins, and you're like me. And the, the myth that he had to dispel in that moment, it wasn't because she was good or because she got into college or because she was making particularly great decisions. It's because she was his. He was hers. She was his. They were the same family. She said, you're a, he said, you're a braverman. My blood is running in your veins. You're in my likeness. And when she caught a glimpse of the way he saw her, it changed things. I, I believe that same transformation um, happens when we catch a glimpse of the way the Father sees us. The way you're His. And that's not because we were good or we got into college or we're making particularly great decisions. It's because we are His and He is here. He's close. And it's not an if-then kind of scenario. If you really get everything right as a church and if you climb the ladder, then, then you will... no. It's because the heavens were torn open and God himself descended to live as one of us. And he said, you and I are sons and daughters. We have the inheritance of a firstborn son, all of us, every single one of us, young and old, male and female, rich and poor. It's good news for the whole world. And I believe you and I get a call to believe what God declares to be true. That our hope, our future, is all rooted in the one who took on flesh and lived as one of us. You see, like Moses, who fasted for 40 days and 40 nights before he received the law, Jesus fasted here in Luke 4. For 40 days before he will unveil the gospel. Like Israel, who was tested and tried in the wilderness, Jesus will be tempted and tested and tried. Only where Israel stumbled, he stands. Jesus was hungry. Jesus was tempted. But ultimately, Jesus is sustained by what God says. You remember those words? I will not live by bread alone. People, humanity will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's why I love gatherings like this. Why I want to encourage you to think about friends and neighbors and that person you work with who may need to be reminded of the truth of the gospel, that the heavens were indeed torn open and God himself descended to live as one of us so that we would know our worth in Christ Jesus. But it's not just friends and neighbors, those people out there that I want to bring with me. It's, it's me. I need to be reminded. I need this reminder every single week of the resurrected Lord who continues to appear among us, to remind us that we will live not just by the food we'll consume later this afternoon, but by the eternal truth that he speaks over us. 
Uh, We come together week after week to hold a light onto the good news of the gospel, the good news that Jesus ushers in for all people. And it, it starts with recognizing that you were created with sacred worth. You were made in the image of God. And in Christ, we are adopted as God's children, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Amen? Lord, help us bask in the beauty of those words. Help them sink into the deepest parts of who we are. And Lord, I pray even now as you are here with us, that you would allow us to catch a glimpse of the way that you see us. Expose the temptation for what it is. The words of the evil one uh, when we wonder whether or not we can trust you. But Lord, this morning, even now, as we limp into this place carrying all kinds of different things, would you remind us of who you are and the way you see us? Uh, Teach us to look a little bit more like you, Jesus. But for those who limped in this morning, for those who are are struggling to believe what you have said to be true about us, uh, Lord, would you give us your Holy Spirit? Uh, Defeat those evil spirits and give us your Holy Spirit. Help us to see you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it for this time. Thank you for checking in with us, and we'll be back with another episode next week.